I lived out in Washington, D.C. for a number of years when I was a student at Catholic University. Something happened one time during those years there that I can remember as if it were yesterday, even though it's been over 15 years ago. I was walking one afternoon, wasn't the tourist season, middle of rush hour. For those of you who know D.C., we were on K Street, one of the busy streets right there in Lobbyist Row. And we're in this herd kind of walking along between stoplights. And we're there at the corner, and there's a homeless man there lying with all this stuff around him. And, you know, we'd all seen that scene many times before, and we're waiting for the walk sign to come. And something very unusual for that time of day, there was a mom with her little girl. It's probably not more than three years old. Clearly, she had just been picked up from school or something. The mom was still in her work clothes. And she looks down and she sees, well, she doesn't look down, she looks eye to eye, the little girl does, with the guy on the street. And she doesn't say to her mom, you know, mom, why is this guy down here? She looks right at him and she simply says, why are you sitting down? interesting. As close as you could come to hearing a pin drop in the middle of busy Washington, D.C. at rush hour, you could have heard a pin drop. There was kind of nervous uncomfortableness amongst all of us, and nobody really looked at the child or the guy sitting next to her. We waited, we waited. It seemed like that walk sign took forever to come, and eventually it came, and on we went. For one brief moment, all 20 of us or so were there, never there together before, we'll never be together again, yet I wonder how many of them, some 15 years later, can remember those 30 seconds we shared together as clearly as I do. And I'll bet many, if not all of them, can. Because what's the answer to that question? Why are you sitting there? And it was asked with such innocent curiosity. No sense of previous judgment, no sense of guilt, no sense of blame. One little human being speaking to another human being. We're all up and walking. Why are you sitting there? It's not a park, it's not a bed. Why are you sitting there? Imagine trying to answer that question. How many different layers there are to the answer of that question. But for me, amongst all those possible answers, it just struck me. We begin life with that kind of curiosity. We begin life where, as one human being looking at another, we can ask questions that would maybe make all kinds of people uncomfortable or awkward. Or we would say things that aren't polite or aren't proper or are inflammatory. But when we come into this world, we see it as one person to another. And I remembered that because if you really wanted to answer the question, why is he sitting on the ground, there's an awful lot to learn from that little exchange. For one thing, it takes time. It takes time for someone to be sitting there on the ground. Every one of us begins with more or less the same interior sense of hope and expectation. Even if those around us could say, well, forget it, that hope is never going to be realized for you. And it takes time. It takes time for the divide to grow. 
between the people in their power suits walking down K Street and someone who's laying there on the ground. It grows little by little. Nobody wakes up in the morning, I think, and says, I want to neglect somebody who desperately needs my attention. But we shouldn't kill it, kid ourselves. If we get to that point, what we've also done is we've gotten to the point where we say, I don't want to be perceived by someone who wants to perceive me. I don't want to let someone look into my heart. When Abraham says to the rich man, there's a chasm between us that no one can cross, I don't think he simply means that when you die, you go to heaven or hell, and there's some unbreachable wall between the two. And I think the point is driven home when he says, look, even if I spoke this message to your living brothers, they wouldn't be able to hear it. That's the chasm. It's not a chasm of punishment that's thrown up at the end of our lives. It's a chasm that grows day by day. It's a chasm that grows from the age of that little three-year-old to the age of the 33, 43, and 63-year-olds who were standing around her on that afternoon. As Abraham says to the rich man, there's no way you can bridge this chasm now. And of course, with a little foreshadowing of the resurrection, even if someone were to rise from the dead, and we might hear that and think, then why even bother? What difference can we possibly make? Because somehow, regardless of how sinful or wrong it was, all of us, with the exception of the little three-year-old, had made that decision. There's nothing here that can really be done. Not for most of us because we tried so hard and failed, but rather because that chasm was growing day by day. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's discomfort. I often wondered, what did the mom say to her little girl when they got home? That's not a question to ask. But who knows, why should I draw that conclusion? Maybe that was the beginning of an extraordinary transformation in a whole other family. Whatever. It's just, I think, an invitation for us to ask ourselves, not necessarily about the next person we see on the corner, but to really start perhaps much closer to home and just ask how are those chasms growing in little ways in the relationships in my life that are meant to be sources of love or trust or challenge? How are the chasms beginning to grow as I look at myself and I say, you know, I'd rather not face this thing. It's easy to turn away. And the chasm grows in such subtle ways until every now and then we're jarred like that little girl jarred all of us. How did you get here? And it's often asked in a very innocent way because that's how it breaks through our defenses. If we see it coming, we throw up our own walls. And innocently, it penetrates to the core where all of a sudden somebody says, how did you get here? Why aren't you doing what seems to be so obvious? You didn't roll out of bed today wanting to be so separated from your own humanity. And so the solution, I don't think we have to listen to Abraham's words and say, then who can be saved? The solution is that we have something that the rich man didn't have. We have something that even the original hearers of that gospel didn't have. We have grace. We have the sacraments. Those aren't just nice symbols. They can make a difference if we open our hearts to cooperate with them. 
And the way across the chasm is the same way the chasm was built, little by little, day by day, eyeball to eyeball, heart to heart. And it takes overcoming fear. How do you do that? Well, you don't do it alone. And that's the other lesson from that street corner on K Street. You do it together. If collectively we can ignore such an important part of our world, collectively we can pay attention. And as I said at the start of this Mass, we have a beautiful example of what that collective action can look like. But every one of us, in our own way, can be part of that same process. So just a little spiritual invitation when we hear the famous story one more time of Lazarus and the rich man. Not so much maybe to focus on who have I ignored today, but to start by asking what chasm am I widening just a little bit? Or much more encouragingly, what chasm can I begin to close? It starts as simple as eye-to-eye contact and an innocent question. Why are you there? Why aren't you with the rest of us?